Welcome to the Red Words Podcast, where we pursue a personal relationship with God the Father and His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Join us weekly as we deep dive into the dynamic and oftentimes curious Holy Spirit-inspired book of God's Word. We're back this week with a new letter to the church at Smyrna, which is one of two churches where the Lord Jesus Christ spoke positively with no reprimand, only instructions and rewards. We begin with Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, The first and the last who was dead and has come to life says this, I know your works and tribulation and your poverty. The Lord Jesus Christ identifies himself as God with the familiar statement that he is the first and the last. Then he identifies himself as the man who came as a sacrifice and is resurrected to live forevermore among his believers. It's interesting how Jesus weaves his identifications of God and man into the definition of the city. Smyrna is a derivative of myrrh, the herb used to embalm the dead with a sweet scent that occurs only after it has been crushed. Once again, the Lord tells his church that he knows what they're doing and how they're doing it. He approves of their works and understands firsthand their trials and tribulations. Jesus mentions their abject poverty among one of the wealthiest cities in the region. Jesus knew that his Smyrna believers were being publicly robbed of their possessions and their livelihoods. And we read about that in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 33 and 34. Having been made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and you still accepted joyfully the seizure of your property. The church at Smyrna did not shrink away from hardship and persecution. And then in verse 9, the Lord says something quite striking. But you are rich. How can the destitute be viewed as rich? Because of their faithfulness. For centuries, the wealthy and cultural Smyrna worshipped the pagan Greek gods, Dionysus, Apollo, Zeus, and Aphrodite among them. However, the citizenry had all but abandoned their pagan worship and switched their allegiance to the current Roman emperor. At that time, it was Emperor Domitian, the Caesar who'd banished John to the island of Patmos. In AD 96, Domitian demanded all Roman citizens personally and publicly claim him as their lord and then burn incense on the altar of Caesar to receive their religious certificate. The certificate was good for one year, and if any citizen refused, they were put to death in the Colosseums. Well, the church in Smyrna refused to place Caesar higher than their Lord Jesus Christ, and they were being crushed for their disobedience. Verse 9 continues, And the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Jesus' church faced a double whammy because their Jewish Smyrna brethren were hostile. They turned against them and were abusing Christ's church at every turn. And Jesus is quick to disown these Pharisees and Sadducees, refusing to accept them as his beloved people. Instead, he links them to Satan, as he did in John, chapter 8, 
verses 41 through 44, when Jesus said, You are doing the deeds of your father. And the Jewish leadership replied to him, We are not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I proceed forth and have come from God. For I have not even come on my own initiative, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I'm saying? Is it because you cannot hear my word? You are of your father the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. That's quite a statement to compare the Jewish leadership to Satan, calling him their true father because of the deep evil in their hearts. Jesus was not talking about their Jewish heritage or their blood or which of the twelve tribes they belonged to. No, Jesus was referring to what was in their hearts and their minds as indicated by their actions. Jesus was telling the Pharisees and the Sadducees that his true people, his true nation of Israel, believed in him as their Messiah, as the church in Smyrna did. And Paul backs up this theory in Philippians 3.3 when he spoke about Jesus' church. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. In the flesh, what does that mean? Well, Jesus separates the ethnic Jew from the spiritual Jew and calls the spiritual Jew rich because of their belief in him, which places them far away from worldly riches. Now, let's divide verse 10 into two parts. Both are equally important. The first part reads, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested, and you will have tribulation for ten days. Oh, how fear comes easily. People dread it. And Jesus is firmly telling the church at Smyrna to stop being afraid, regardless of their circumstances. He wants his believers to stand firm in him, despite knowing some of them will be jailed, tested, and killed. And Jesus introduces the number 10. There is not one person among us who is superhero capable of withstanding the afflictions this church was about to endure. But Jesus knows, and he asks them to stand firm in him as the devil performs his torments. It's not easy to do especially knowing that after the testing comes a horrific death. But Jesus needed them to endure. Why? What is the meaning of the ten days? Some Bible commentators think that Jesus meant the horrific persecution over the reign of ten Roman emperors, beginning with Claudius and Nero in AD 41, through Domitian and Marcus Aurelius, to Valerian and ending with Diocletian in AD 305. And this could very well be true, since the number of Christ's believers killed over that 1,500-plus year time period is estimated in Fox's Book of Martyrs to be about 5 million. Other commentators think that Jesus meant 10 years of persecution, where each prophetic day represents a year during Emperor Diocletian's reign between AD 284 and 305, when persecution in the church had reached an all-time high. 
Still others say that 10 days is simply a Greek expression, meaning a short time. However, what if Jesus simply means 10 days of severe persecution with an emphasis on the idea that God limited their suffering to 10 days and then welcomed them home into his kingdom? Realize, of course, that it could be all four. Jesus created a very powerful testimony for his future believers regarding the church at Smyrna. They proved themselves to him. They accepted the testing, the suffering, the tribulation, and they were purified and made like Jesus. They became our witnesses to him in their capability to suffer. And believers have read and understood and withstood because throughout the ages, the blood of the martyrs has always been the seed that spreads his word and grows his church. And so, back to the reason Jesus told his church at Smyrna that they were rich. You see, in their testing, they succeeded in displaying the true riches of the Lord Jesus Christ by believing in him and living forever in his great love and care for all eternity. Wow. Now that equals the highest riches anyone can obtain. And think about this. There is no reason to think that Jesus' present-day church will not be tested and persecuted as well. And this frightens some believers. But the Lord was emphatic about it, as we read in John 15, 18, and 19. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world... The world would love its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. Jesus has already told the church at Smyrna, and therefore us also, to stop being afraid. That is his command. But remember, Dr. Luke tells us he sweated blood before he died, knowing the excruciating pain he would have to endure. Still, he maintained his Father's will for himself, and we should too. And Jesus goes on to say in John 15, verse 20, If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you, but all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know the one who sent me. Jesus is building his case for future generations through the church in Smyrna as we read in John 16, 2. They will make you outcasts, but an hour is coming for everyone who kills you to think that he is offering a service to God. This is a remarkable passage that is being played out today as people persecute and martyr believers and then claim they are doing these awful things for God. But which gods exactly Well, they would be all the little g-gods whom Satan has deceived and now controls. Okay, back to verse 10, part 2, which talks about why we should remain faithful through fear. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. You see, Izmir, Turkey is the old city of Smyrna. And today, Muslims continue to crush and persecute the Lord's Church. It is believed by some researchers that Izmir still stones and hangs anyone they discover who is a Christ believer. And every time they are martyred, 
they receive the crown of life. But researchers note that another interesting thing also occurs. Each time someone in the Lord's beloved Smyrna church is killed, a new surge of believers rises up to teach the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ, for he will not be denied. So what about this crown? Let's take a look and see what it means. There are two different words for crown in the Greek, diadema or diadem, which is worn by kings. It is heavy and ornate because it is fashioned from gold and precious jewels. It's uncomfortable to wear, both physically and mentally, because the wearer carries such a heavy responsibility. Whereas the Stephanos, which is the Greek word used in this passage, is a trophy crown presented to a winning athlete, one who finishes the race well. And unlike the Greek Stephanos crown that is made of leaves, Jesus' crown of life endures forever. Interestingly, in ancient Greece, the Stephanos was also worn during marriage ceremonies, which makes this passage particularly meaningful for the Smyrna believers, for they will participate as the Lord Jesus Christ's bride in the private wedding ceremony that will be held in heaven. They will forever be close to the Lord, and that is an incredible honor. Now for Revelation chapter 2, verse 11. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Once again, overcomers are identified as Jesus' faithful ones, those who hear and obey his instructions no matter what. In this case, his believers are to stand fast during persecution without fear because these believers understand what Jesus told them in John 16:33 when he said, In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Believers take great comfort knowing that Jesus goes before them. And should they face tribulation and death, he will reward them by removing them from the second death. Well, what is the second death? It is being cast into the lake of fire. Those who have chosen Jesus Christ will never go there because Jesus conquered death for his believers once and for all. So, there are four takeaway points regarding the church at Smyrna. Number one. The name Smyrna depicts myrrh, which was the third gift given to young Jesus when he was visited by the Magi. The first gift of gold represents the Lord's coming kingship. Frankincense, the second gift, represents the Lord's priesthood. And myrrh represents his crushing, sacrificial death when he took on the world's sin. The church at Smyrna was crushed Smyrna represents myrrh, the Lord's third gift, and now they live forever with him, bearing his gift to them, the crown of life. Number two, Jesus' letter to the church at Smyrna offers only praise and encouragement. He loves these people dearly because of their faithfulness, and they were rewarded accordingly. Today, Jesus sees the worldwide persecution of his church, and these believers are also dearly loved and will be rewarded for their fearless faithfulness. Number three, the letter is a study in contrasts, or more precisely, exchanges. Some church members will be killed, but God will give them a new life. 
They will be tormented by Smyrna citizens who wear crowns made of leaves, but the Lord will give them the permanent and glorious crown of life. The Lord tells the church at Smyrna to be faithful unto death, but the ultimate and final second death will never touch them. Number four, we learn that there are two types of Jews, those who believe their Messiah has already come and died for them, and those who do not. Jesus has separated these believing and non-believing Jews as far as the East is from the West. Those who recognized him during his ministry on earth and those who recognize him today as their Messiah are members of his church. And as we see in Ezekiel 37 and Romans 9-11, through Jesus has a plan for the Jews who do not yet recognize him as their Messiah. They will be dealt with separately from the Lord's church because Jesus longs for his nation to see him and recognize him as their Messiah. So we must be patient. For Israel's time is coming. And so, dear friends, take heed of the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God today as you seek a deeper personal relationship with Him. Thank you for joining me and know that the Lord Jesus Christ loves you very much. And so do we. Until next week, may you be richly blessed. Amen. And amen.